Well, we're getting to the end of the year of mercy, and so uh, we have a, a gospel parable that's very appropriate to this to this um, theme of mercy. And uh, this was also the Sunday reading about maybe two months, two and a half months ago, and I gave a homily on this and kind of talked about how there's a there's an allegorical or spiritual way of reading this. I talked about the oil and the wine, and how. Uh, the oil and the wine, the wine is alcohol and it kind of stings, you know, so sometimes the preacher's got to give the medicine of the alcohol, which kind of, it gets into the corrupt part of the body that's wounded and it makes sure, you know, it kills all of the bad bacteria, makes sure that the corruption doesn't spread. Um, but then there is the whole oil part and that's the consolation part, the mercy part. So you need both though, it's both oil and wine. And, um, but I'll, I'll focus on the oil for this morning. So mercy, um, we have, uh, the, the traditional, <clears throat> uh, works of mercy. And it's good just to kind of remind ourselves of these works of mercy. They're, they're really quite wonderful. And there's, there's both, there's seven, uh, bodily or corporal works of mercy. And then there's seven spiritual works of mercy, um, as well. And, uh, the, in a certain sense, the spiritual works of mercy are, are harder to perform than the corporal works, but they're also easier to perform. They're easier in the sense that you can do it just at, boom, just like that. But then at the same time, they're a little bit harder. So let's talk about the spiritual works of mercy first and see if I can remember them. Um, the first one, I believe, is, um, uh, I think it's, I don't know if I'm going to get them in order, but it's basically, it's comforting uh, the sorrowful, okay, um, or comforting the afflicted. Uh, counseling the doubtful. Okay, so you got if someone is in grief, they're in mourning, they're uh, they're afflicted. Maybe they've got something bad that's happened to them, some kind of medical problem that's happened to them. They're in the hospital, whatever it might be. Comforting the afflicted is just going and being present to them and being with them. It's 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 uh, pretty simple, um, but it's amazing how far that can go. Just kind of giving someone a phone call or visiting them and saying, hey, I'm concerned about you, how you doing? And, you know, that's a that's a really great uh, work of mercy. And God's grace and Jesus' love uh, is a channel, that becomes a channel for Jesus' uh, mercy and his love. So then you've got counseling the doubtful. Now this takes a little bit more, I think, you know, someone practically speaking, what should I do? You know, and I think it really has to do with morality, with morals, you know, like big picture morals. What, what direction should I guide my family in, in this area? You know, I'm really distraught. There's this job that I can get, it pays more money, but I think it might actually lead to some moral compromise. Should I take it or not? Uh, these sorts of decisions that we have to face in life. And so when you go to a friend and the friend gives you right advice, good advice, good give counsel, that's a great work of mercy. Um, because you're, you're saving someone from, um, from spiritual room. So, um, and then you've got two others that I, I like these ones quite a bit here. Um, bearing wrongs patiently. Is that, that's an amazing thing to think about. If you, if you patiently bear wrongs that are inflicted upon you, that's a work of mercy towards the person who's wronging you. If you think about that. That's pretty neat. Because you could be like, and you would be justified in, in putting that person in their place and saying, what the heck do you think you're doing? Okay. Um, but when you, you know, obviously you, you can and you should probably in many instances correct someone. You do it with gentleness and so forth and so on. 
but you know, we've all been in a situation where because of our own stupidity, we're really kind of doing something wrong. We're putting burdens on people. We're bugging people. We're annoying them. We're frustrating them. We're doing something wrong and making their lives uh, more difficult. And the people who, who bear up under our imposition with patience and equanimity, they're showing mercy to us. And then sometimes it's only after the fact that we're like, oh, wait a second, that was pretty stupid of me and uh, wrong of me to be doing that. And I'm really glad that that person didn't fly off the handle and lose it at me. They could have, and they might have been justified in a certain sense, but they didn't. So that's really, you know, you, you have a sense of gratitude that wells up, and you're like, okay, that's a great work of mercy towards me. So we should be able to do that with others, you know. Uh, it might be, someone might do something wrong with it, to us, but it's like their, their emotions are whipped up. And you have patience with them, and you know that, okay, it's a, they're just going through, it's drama, and they'll get over it, and so you just bear with it, and you're like, okay, just don't be mad or react. And they kind of then their emotions kind of cool down after a few days or a few weeks or maybe months or whatever. They come around and they're, and they're, and you know, you stopped some huge apocalyptic catastrophe from happening, you know, just by bearing wrongs patiently. And they come around and they say, you know, I, that was, that was stupid of me to do it. I, I really was, you weren't really the problem. It was other things that I was dealing with. That's so often the case, you know. I was getting mad at you and I yelled at you, but really it was this issue that was taking place between my child and my child's, you know, having difficulty in school, you know, something that you didn't know about, you know, and it really wasn't about you, it was about something else. So bearing wrongs patiently is a great work of mercy. Um, also, uh, let's see here, so we're, that's the third, now we're on the fourth one here. Um, uh, bearing wrongs patiently, I think forgiving, no. I should have had a list in front of me. Sorry about that. Bearing wrongs patiently. Okay, I know praying for the living and the dead. That's one of them. Okay, um, and uh, again, a great work of mercy. You can never underestimate the power of prayer. Um, prayer. We have to believe that it makes a difference. If you didn't believe that it makes a difference, then it's nonsense. You know what I mean? Why would you be praying? But it does make a difference, and God has ordained it that way. God could just do everything himself if he wanted to, but he has He has willed to bring us into his whole plan and the unfolding of his kingdom in the world so that we'd actually have a real uh, participa uh, participation in that. So he would say, I am not going to grant this particular grace or prayer or favor or whatever until this person prays. And so then that person prays and then God grants the grace or whatever it might be. And so then that person's prayers make a real difference. They make a real difference. Um, I know in the Fatima, whose 100, 100 years um, celebration we're going to be celebrating this year, I'm going to try to do something special in the parish for the um, centennial of Fatima, uh, Our Lady appeared to the three Fatima children and she said to them, uh, many people go to hell because there are no one uh, to pray for them. So to know that our prayers are that powerful that they make a difference between someone going to heaven versus going to hell. That's how much of an effect our prayers have, how much more so in lesser matters. So pray for the living and then also for the dead as well. Okay, If the dead, there is an intermediate phase um, between our life here and heaven, and most of us don't go directly into heaven. We have 
sins and effects of sins that we have to atone for after we die. That's why we are constantly offering masses. So the mass today, for example, is for Dorothy Camella. If Dorothy Camella is in this intermediate phase, which traditionally has been called purgatory, if she's there, then this is a massively effective thing that we're doing for her soul. Okay, So uh, we have to believe that what we're doing, the prayers are real. Otherwise, it's not really a work of mercy. It's just, it's nonsense, you know. It's like when people say, oh, you, so, oh, I'll pray for you. Are you really praying for them when you say that? You know, like, make it real. So if you say that you're going to pray for someone, really do it. Just say one Hail Mary at least, okay? Um, and then also, too, for the dead, why are we, you know, what are we doing? We're offering Mass for this dead person. It's not just a commemoration of their name. We really think it makes a difference for them if, in fact, they're in purgatory. And uh, put yourself there. Do unto your neighbor as you would have them do unto you. If you were in purgatory, would you want people to be praying for you? You, you certainly would. You, you certainly would. Okay. So it's a it's a great act of sympathy and charity and uh, mercy. So those are some of the uh, spiritual works of mercy that we can reflect upon. I think there's a few more, but I think I forgot them. Um, and uh, in this year of mercy, let's reflect upon you know the the works of mercy, not only the corporal, but especially. Uh, the spiritual works of mercy, um, and practice them in our lives towards others and be grateful that God has given us and shown us mercy.